we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got our co-host, Claudia Jordan, joining us today. That's right. And we got a special guest in the building, Devon Franklin. Welcome. Welcome back. Yo, thank you. How's it going? Glad he, it's good. He, Glad to be back. He came in hot, which is good because he's here to talk about flaming hot, but I don't know what you and Claudia was just talking about. Y'all was just going, I mean, y'all just had started an interview by yourself. I posted him this morning. Okay. And he put a post up about not being someone's priority. Like, no one's too busy for the right person. If you mm. want to, you know, keep in touch with that person, you'll make time. Yes. So to say. Yeah, I mean, that basically, I was just saying that a lot of times the excuse is, well, I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying... Oh, I thought that was, you were talking mm-hmm. about Barack and Michelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just using the example that was there ever a time during, you know, Barack's presidency where he told Michelle, you know what, I'm just too busy to deal with you. I'm too busy to check in mm-hmm. on the kids. You can handle that. He probably didn't. doesn't mean that he wasn't busy and challenging, but because the family was a priority... He prioritized him. So I'm saying every time we say I'm too busy for something, we're just saying that that whatever that something is or that someone is, they're not a priority. Now, let me ask you a question. So Chloe has been here the last couple of days. Yeah. Here we go. She, she's been here having, we go. She's been having some relationship issues. Right? Okay. Okay. Devon has prayed about this before. I'm sure. I'm sure. I got ready. I got ready. <laughs> it's a, a non-relationship. That's right. the thing. So, you know, we open up the phone lines, let people shoot their shots. 
It just feels like the, some of the, the men that she's been dealing with haven't had the time and, and the effort to put into Claudia. You know, she talked about young men. She said a lot of the young men, you know, are on her, but she feels like the young men just want to smash. They do. Mm-hmm. And the old men. And the media What advice men. could you give our sister, Claudia Jordan? <laughs> tell me what you're looking for. Um, someone that doesn't lie. When I was mm-hmm. younger, the checklist was really long, and I'm looking for integrity, someone that doesn't lie so much, mm-hmm. um, a, a person of their word. That mm-hmm. seems to be really hard to find nowadays. Mm-hmm. And they always come in hot with me. It's mm-hmm. always, oh, it's too good to be true, blah, 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 blah. and I want to get married. Mm-hmm. And then the reality of it, they can't sustain the, the day-to-day calling back when they say, or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm no one's prayer. Like the, other day, <laughs> like the other day, somebody hit at 10 p.m. and was like, hey, what you doing, big head? And then she was like, Whatever, and then she was like, "What you wearing?" Like it was no, can we go right. out? It felt right. very you... sexual. It, it right. felt like that's it. Right. Which we're gonna get to that. If I like you, we're gonna get there. Relax, mm-hmm. but don't leave with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, one one adjustment might be instead of having like a what you're looking for, what you're ready to receive, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the looking is is impl- it enhances the absence of it. Whereas when I'm ready to receive, I'm ready to allow what is coming into my life. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds like a small thing, but mm-hmm. it's a major thing. Because people can feel that looking spirit. Again, not saying you have that. I'm right. saying, but a lot of times you're out there looking for love. People can feel that. And they're like, uh, you know, versus like, I'm going to stand in my power. I'm going to stand in my truth. And I'm ready to receive the right person. I'm actually really doing that, though, in real life. Because after love my that. last breakup, I said, I'm giving myself six months. Okay. Where now I'm not even considering anyone for that. Like, I have to just, like, have space. Yeah. And let that good energy come over to me because right I do agree with you. It does give desperate vibes. Right, right. You, that, you were kind of yeah. low key in a church way. Call me desperate. I felt no, that. no, no, I never, that, never that, never that, never that, never that. Never that. No, no, didn't say that. Didn't say that. Those are not the words that came out of my mouth. But then now let me ask you another question. Since we talk about Claudia, she also. You know, was having a thing where you know she was. You're hilarious right now. He's here helping. I see you know what I mean. Things that she said on there, like she was dealing with somebody that was you know having a tough time and was kind of depressed. How long do you allow your partner or somebody to to be in that mode before you say, okay, there's nothing more that I can do? Well, I think first and foremost, it's like if somebody is going through something, only they can get through what they're going through. And so I think sometimes if we put on, if we take the role of like I've got to help my partner get through this, we may be putting ourselves in a position which we are not qualified to do. Mm. So versus like, hey, I'm going to be a support system. Mm-hmm. How can I support you through this? What is it that you need to from me in order to navigate this period of depression or this anxiety or whatever it may be and have enough grace and space for that person and what they're going through to allow them to go through it? Because what I've experienced is that when you try to heal somebody or you try to do their work for them, you put yourself in an impossible situation because at the end of the day, that's their journey. That's what they have to experience in life for their own growth and their development. And sometimes as a partner, we unnecessarily make it feel like, well, if that's what they're going through. I got to go through it too. Mm-hmm. No, that's what they're going through. And I can be there to help them. But they need to set the terms by which that help, what that helps look, looks oh, like. That, oh, that's good. We're we going to get to Flame Hot, but I need to stay on that for a second because there's so many people dealing with grief. Yeah. And I think one thing that we all think uh, we can do when, you know, something happens like death is mm-hmm. we have to come to the person's rescue and help mm. the person. Right. You, there's nothing you can do. So I think no. a, a lot, enough people don't know how to show up right. and just be support system. So how, how right. do they show up and just be support system? You know, I, I, in my experience, it's about grace and space. Mm. And so if I give my own self grace and space to feel, to experience, to live, and not judge myself for how I'm feeling in any moment, then I can give that to others. Mm. I think so often we're trying to be something to somebody because we don't know what we are to ourselves. Mm. So when you talk about that grief process, it's like, okay, we all go through things and navigate loss. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of life. 
And the best friendships, the best family ships, the best relationships don't require the person to arbitrarily have a timeline by which they pass through whatever they're going through. I mean, with these traumas that we've experienced in life are difficult. And for some of us, they take years to heal. So mm. to me, the best way to do that is to first give yourself space and grace for your journey on life. And the second thing is to give that to whomever you're dealing with. Don't, you know, push them or pressure them mm -hmm. to have to move through something. If they need to cry, be there. Hey, I'm here. You know, if they need to yell, hey, yell as loud as you want to yell. I'm with you. That, to me, is how you do it. That's great uh -huh. advice because if you don't have the right tools and you're constantly trying to, like, help someone heal or be there for them and they don't, they don't, they're not really ready to receive that, yeah. you stop feeling rejected and then resentful. You know what I mean? Like... I'm over here trying to help you out and you pushing me away and I'm punishing me for being there for you. But, the, but then that's where the ego comes in. Yes. The ego wants to be the savior. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right? And then, and then if this person is not receiving the way that I'm trying to bring them salvation from their situation, then I get offended. Mm -hmm. But then who are we to imp impose our way on their process versus saying, hey, I'm here. They didn't want to talk to me today. It's not because of me. It's because of what they're going through and I'm gonna be a good support system for them and give them the space that they need versus allowing my ego mm -hmm. to then say, well, if they don't want my help, then I'm not gonna help them. Well, maybe they, maybe your help is your silence. Mm. Mm. <laughs> maybe that's your way you help, you know? Right. So it's like taking the ego out and really trying to be present with the person in that moment. Do you so feel, okay. I was gonna say, that was another church way to say, just shut the hell up too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm over here translating things I ain't saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, do you feel any pressure uh. you know, with your relationship because you are uh, a guru, people call you, or because you're you know, a, a relationship expert that you have to be perfect in your relationship because everybody points everything and, and looks up to your relationship are at times. No. no, well, I think people look I mean, at him as. Listen, the beautiful thing about what I, what I do is I'm referred to as so many different things. You mm -hmm. know, it's like I was on Married at First Sight as a relationship advisor mm -hmm. and people come to me for that. Obviously I've written relationship books, you know, I'm known as a producer, I'm known as many different things. Mm -hmm. um, but to your question, no, I don't feel that pressure you know, at all. Uh, if anything, you know, I live the way I live and I teach and from what I know or from what I'm experiencing and, and I don't feel the pressure to try to be something to somebody or like, oh, I got to do it perfectly. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. clearly, uh, you know, that, that has not been my experience. Um, and that's okay, right? It's okay. I'd rather teach from a place of truth and what I've gone through than to feel the, art, the artificial pressure of like, oh, I got to do it all perfectly. Who does it perfectly? And I was, I, I was going to ask, you know, in the church, especially in the church, people feel like in all relationship, people should stay together regardless, right? Even if yeah. things aren't working, stay together. People always say, you know, people are so fast to let things go. Mm. When do you know it's a time, the right time to let things go? Yeah, you know, I think it depends on uh, every situation. Every relationship is very different. I would encourage anyone to put themselves in a process. Uh, and what I mean by that is the first inkling that you get that, oh, I want to let this go. Don't follow that inkling, right? Do what you can do. Therapy, life coaching, counseling, reading. Do what you can do to save it. And then you have to stay in touch with yourself, yourself and your spirit. And how do you feel? Mm -hmm. You know, and as you're going through this, you know, is there the possibility for oneness with this person? And if there is, fantastic. And if there isn't, let your process determine the outcome. Because in my experience, sometimes when we get angry about something, we are impulsive. And you just start to say, well, this is not going to work. Well, hey. Give it time, put a process around it, and then over time, see what feeling persists, and then don't be afraid to face whatever reality that feeling reveals. Did it take a long time for you to get to this calm place? Because like you're saying all these things like not being impulsive, but how do you not be impulsive 
when your feelings are involved. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, you got to look at the, you know, for me, it's like, okay, let me look at my past and when I've been impulsive and what came out of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Situations and circumstances that I, I wish I could have back mm -hmm. because I may have said something or done something that really wasn't in, in alignment with my truth or who I really was. So for me, it's about like, all right, I don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. So, okay, whatever is causing me anger, before I act, let me pause and say, well, what in me is getting angry here? And I think that's the thing. A lot of times, anger, we don't realize, is a secondary emotion, right? So I'm gonna feel angry because I feel hurt, mm -hmm. because I feel disregarded, I feel unseen. <clears throat> so if we just react on the anger, we may never get to the root of where the anger came from. So this has just come from me and my process of just wanting to learn and to heal and to go through all that I've been through and come through it in a way that, one, I can heal. That's the number one goal, right? Anything I'm sharing is because I go through this healing process. And the second thing is, in this area of relationships and dating and love and marriage, it's so difficult. Mm -hmm. It's so hard, right? Like, let's just be honest. So as much as I can share about any tips or tools that someone may find helpful, I'm going to do that. Have you Questions? healed? Do you, do you, I was going to ask, because you, you talked about healed. Have you healed? Because I know your, your breakup was very public. Sure. Have you got a chance to heal? And, and how are you doing mentally? Mentally, I'm doing much better, you know, but the process to that, like I can sit here before all of you and have this interview and be calm and, mm -hmm. and introspective and all that, but that comes from a process, you know? I mean, there are nights, you know, I'm crying myself to sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, there are moments when I've been angry, but I've allowed myself to feel whatever I felt in order to heal. Because in my experience, when I'm like not facing what I'm feeling, then I'm trying to find something else to help me get through the pain. And who do you talk to? Who, who, man, I got, man, listen, I got a therapist that I've been working with for years. Uh, I got a life coach that I've been working with. I have great friends, you know, in my life who have been very, very helpful to me. Uh, and they are there for me whenever I call, which it has is to great. Be the toughest thing, because, you know, your, your spouse, your wife, or your husband is usually your best friend yeah. that you can go yeah. to for anything. So when yeah. that person's not Ooh. there, it's like that has to be probably one of the hardest things ever because it's like do you still have that trust for all those people that you name, you know, because your spouse right. is usually somebody that you can tell your deepest, sure. your deepest secrets to. Whatever your insecurities are, they usually know. So yeah. that has to be difficult. Well, I mean, there's. I, listen, I would not wish divorce on anybody. Mm -hmm. It is one of the most difficult and uh, painful things you can ever experience. So you're right, you know, like because then also it's like it's a weird thing, you know, it's like you're used to – being with somebody just on a friendship level mm -hmm. day every day every day and then you're like i don't even talk to this person it is the strangest most difficult thing to navigate Damn. and the only thing i can offer is um take it one moment at a time not do even you, a day at a time a moment do you regret writing a book like the weight because you know you and megan wrote a book called yeah. the weight a powerful practice yeah. for finding the love of your life and the life you love sure do you regret that are you gonna offer no of course why, why would no it wouldn't listen okay okay <laughs> give, me, give me the name of your first book again black privilege black privilege okay yeah. so in 10 years it, when that changes when search you know your perspective may shift we're going to come back and hit, you no, know. No, that's true. That's so true. so anyway, yeah. my, my point is, of course I don't regret that, you know. I, we, we wrote that book. Uh, It'll help from, somebody yeah. when they're in that moment. It, it, listen, the value yeah. of delayed gratification is always that's going right. to be a message that's going to help somebody. And we put that message into the world from a place of love, and that's where we were. And no, of course. I, you know, I, and I think that's the challenge with life, to look in the rear view instead of the front view. I think that's right? so crazy about breakups with your best friend. It's like... You share everything with that person every single day. That the first person you call and you get good or bad news, and then when you break up, it's like the right. person is dead, but they're alive. 
Right. They're still out there. Right. But they're dead in your yeah. world. Do you and Megan still talk? Are you still yeah, friends? Yeah, we're still, man, of course. You know, I mean, the love for us has not gone away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just changed form. Y'all so, yeah. so cute together. <laughs> well, hey, you know, I, I, can't, laugh, I can't say anything I, to I that. I want to translate that laugh. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to get to flaming Hot before all of this, but since we're here, did, 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 does it upset you when you see her out and about with Jonathan Majors? Upset me? No. No, if she's happy, that's a blessing. Wow, you've done a lot that's of work. That's a grown man, I, man. I need to be like that. Cause I think most people would be like, damn, I, I hope he doesn't get the next movie. I hope the next movie flops. Like, there's, there's a little bit of, but, hey, there's a little but, bit. But here's the thing, whatever, if that was the case, so if mm-hmm. I had that perspective, whatever I'm putting out, that's what's coming back. Mm. So I'm not putting, I'm, I don't have any ill will in, to anyone in that, in that regard, because I don't have any ill will towards myself in that regard. So no, there's, there's no hate. There's gotta no, be some emotion though. I don't, I don't know if it hate is the right word or upset is the right word, but it has sure. to be something you feel. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there are feelings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'll leave it at that. True. I Man, know, because I'm cried, like, he said he cried himself to sleep some night. So he did not say I didn't say that. I cried myself over that. Why y'all doing this? See, Envy, Envy and Claudia, y'all over here, like, you know. We're trying to get you off the block a little bit, like, come on, tell us the real, tell us how mad you were that one time. Tell us you cursed Jonathan Major's career. Don't get that movie. Yes, another one got pulled from you. No, 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 Jesus Christ, no hate over here. <laughs> let's talk some. Let's talk some flaming hot. Flaming hot, because I am very interested in this movie. Because yeah. what what made you want to tell the story of Richard Montanez? Um, what's, his, what's the name? Montanez, right? Montanez. Montanez. Yes. Yes. And he's uh, the creator of the flaming. Yeah, hot he's the driving force behind yeah. the success of it. So about seven years ago, a friend of mine texted me and said, "Hey, I have your next movie." And I said, "Okay." I mean, I didn't really think much of it because pretty much everybody says that. And I said, well, fine, since he reached out, I'll take the meeting. Mm-hmm. So the meeting was with Richard Montañez and his wife, Judy. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Richard was uh, one of the top executives working for Frito-Lay and Pepsi. And I just said, tell me your story. And he told me how he started as a janitor uh, working for Frito-Lay. You know, he's the son of a Mexican immigrant. And this job was a great job for him, you know, because it was a chance for him to provide for his family. He said, but as he was doing the job, he knew that there was more for him. And that the, job, the factory started losing jobs, and he wanted to save jobs. And he said... This company does not appeal to my people, you know, Mexican-American community in Southern California. He said, if there was a spicy product and I could market it to my community, it would save jobs at the factory. And so the CEO gave him a shot to take the flaming Hot product and market it to his community. And his genius of That's doing dope. that is ultimately what led to what we now know as flaming Hot and the success of the brand. It's a billion-dollar brand. He went from being the janitor, becoming one of the top executives of the company. He's referred to as the godfather of Latino marketing. And at the end of the meeting, I just said, yes, I will, I will make your movie. Now, I didn't know how I was going to do it, mm-hmm. but I was so inspired and motivated by his story. Here he was, a janitor, and becomes one of the top executives in corporate America. And that story was so inspirational to me. That's why I wanted to do it. You wow. know what I mean? I, I'm in Hollywood. I produce movies specifically for the purpose of inspiration. You usually don't hear that because usually they take the janitor's idea or they take somebody on a, on a totem pole that's low their idea yeah. and they never get the credit, they never get the money, they never get the accolades, but you're saying that this guy got the accolades, he got the money, and he got what he was supposed to get for creating that because you don't well, usually don't hear that. I mean, think about it. He was there at the company for 42 years. Oh, he knew all the dirt. He knew all the bodies of the dirt. They owe him a favor. <laughs> he said, try to take this from me if you want to. Right, but, I, you know. uh, but no, he, he listened. Uh, his success is, is unprecedented. Uh, it's amazing, and to be able to do this story and tell this true story. I mean, you know, look, Hollywood people love superhero movies in Hollywood. I get it, mm-hmm. but the thing about superhero movies is you can't put on a suit of iron and fly through New York and save it. You can't do it, mm-hmm. but you can be like Richard. 
having a heart of service, you know, having a vision, wanting to provide for your family, wanting to provide for your company and find success. That's and that's why I'm so excited about the movie because you would never think that a product like Flamin' Hot Cheetos has something inspirational or value yeah. behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask, you, how does this movie tie into your faith? Because it's not like it's Hot Cheetos for Christ. Like, <laughs> Yo, like, shut like, up, like, man. Shut up. The Lord may like flaming Hot Cheetos. Hot Cheetos <laughs> for <Yeah>. Christ. That's <laughs> the new support group. <laughs> <laughs> In the film, I mean, well, first and foremost, you know, just on a macro level, you know, I, my father died when I was nine years old mm-hmm. uh, of a heart attack when he was 36. Mm-hmm. And it was a combination of uh, my mom didn't have money for therapy. So it was a combination of going to church mm-hmm. and watching entertainment that became my therapy. And as I navigated movies like, you know, Color Purple and Back to the Future and Rocky, mm-hmm. I was like, listen. If these movies aren't inspiring me, I want to go to Hollywood and produce movies that can inspire others. Mm-hmm. True, true. So just the mere fact that here I am in Hollywood, you know, producing inspirational movies, that's a testament to my faith. Just the fact that the movie happened and what I intended to do when I came to Hollywood, you know, 27 years ago, I'm currently doing. And then when you see the movie, uh, Richard goes through a, a journey of faith, mm-hmm. you know, and, and which is very similar to his real journey of faith, where he starts as a you know, non-believer, doesn't see the value in it. And then by the end, he understands the value of prayer and what it means to have a relationship with God. So it's there, wow. but it's not something that uh, we lead with. We just let people discover it when they see the film. Be- being a film and TV producer, but also being Devon Franklin, you know, the spiritual leader, do people yeah. feel like, you know, I'm not even going to bring this project to him because this may not be his speed? Sure. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, you know, listen, I, before becoming a producer, I was an executive for Columbia Pictures. Uh, which is a division of Sony Pictures for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people would not bring me things if they weren't, uh, if they thought, oh, well, you know, he's the black executive or he's the Christian executive and I'm not going to bring him something that isn't black or Christian. And so mm-hmm. for me, I'm like, it's cool. You know what? What people bring me is what they bring me. But at the end of the day, I'm about creating my own. You know, even as an executive, I created my own films. I mean, films, you know, like Jumping the Broom and, and uh, Heaven is for Real. I mean, those are movies that I champion and, and put together on my own. So even with Flaming Hot, I met Richard in a meeting and I told him I was going to do his, mo- his movie. So, you know, I found a writer. I sold it to a studio. I developed a script. I hired Eva Longoria to direct it. I produced the film and now out marketing the film. So, you know, on some level, there are people that will make a judgment about who I am. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. My thing is I'm not going to rest on their judgment. I'm going to create my own opportunity. So you're not you're not against movies that come to that don't have anything to do with faith. No, of course not. Not at all. So if someone came to you for like a, a movie that's like totally off brand. You're OK with that. Well, you know, off brand just depends on if I connect to it. Okay. So if I connect to it, it's not off brand. But you're not doing like the human centipede part four. <laughs> you, okay. you know, I don't think so, but okay. you never know. If, if there's something inspirational no, about don't. it. <laughs> I saw Hot 1, 2, 3. It's terrible. Okay, all now, right. How all has right. it been since the strike? Uh, you know what? The strike, everything's been kind of very calm, you know? I mean, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like the whole industry uh, is navigating and waiting to see how it, it works out. So all we can do is just wait. You know, the DGA just, uh, you know, signed, and I think they're going to start, the studios are going to negotiate, negotiate with SAG. Mm-hmm. And then my hope is that, uh, you know, the writers get what they're asking for and that, uh, you know, cooler heads prevail and we can all get back to the business of, of making entertainment. Last they time. just voted to strike, though. Say it again? Didn't they just vote to strike? Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. just more of, like, giving the board the authorization to go to strike mm-hmm. if a strike is necessary. Gotcha. It doesn't mean that they're actually going to strike. Last time, it did so much damage to Los Angeles and the industry. Yeah. A lot of people, like, outside of the acting world, the vendors and everybody else, a lot of people were damaged financially sure. from the strike. Yeah, no, I mean, this is this is a fact. I mean... And the longer it goes, the greater potential for that uh, is true. So my hope and prayer is that 
ultimately gets resolved and everybody feels like they got what they needed out of it. It's got to be done, though. Yeah. A lot of things have changed with streaming and everything in yeah. the industry. A lot yeah. of people are not getting the money they should get. Yeah, absolutely. And, what, and what's your thought on uh, chat GPT and everybody using that? To, to create scripts and to do so many different yeah, things. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those areas that I'm still learning about in mm -hmm. terms of understanding, uh, you know, the ethics and how writers perceive it, and understanding that, you know, from what I've been, from what I, the writers I've talked to, they're like, well, ChatGPT can't create on its own. It's going to, you know, survey what's already been created to then create, and I think that's where the issue comes in. So I think it's something that we've got to look at. We need to first of all be educated on it, but look at it because. Um, you know, that would be very detrimental, you know, to writers who have spent their life, you know, creating and then to have a technology that uses their creation to create, but then they aren't compensated for that. I That's think right. it's the devil. I don't think it's of God at all. Is that right? That's what I've been saying. Mm. Like I, just, I just don't, I just don't, I think it's going to cause more harm than good. And mm -hmm. I think, forget, you know, writing scripts and stuff. What if, you know, somebody lets you hear a phone call of somebody that you love talking crazy about you and you know it's them and another person that you know mm. and you walk in the room five minutes after hearing that call you mm. wild out and oh, it was the AI. You know, <laughs> oh, the AI right 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 yes. right yeah i hadn't even that's a scenario I had not even what processed. if a world leader you know threatens another world leader via ai and it's not even real by the time mm. these world leaders figure out you know that's not real. They already sent a nuke. A yeah, nuke right. might be on the way. Yeah. We don't know is what right. I'm saying. I don't, right. I, I don't we think. We have enough confusion right now. Absolutely. With the fake news. No one knows what's real or fake anymore That's across right. the mm. board in all areas. It's going now to we obliterate. got this entering the chat. It's mm. going to obliterate the lines of, of, of reality and fantasy. Right now they're blurred. Sure. It's going to, this is going to obliterate it. And wow. lose jobs. Wow. And cost a lot of jobs. Man. Now, now, what was your experience with Flaming Hot Cheetos before this movie? Did you like uh, them? I literally had no experience with them. Really? I knew of them, but I never had one. No. But how about now? Well, I mean, I mean, now I've had too many that I want to that I want to <laughs> share. I mean, but like, I once I uh, heard his story, and once we actually set up the pitch, I mean, set, sold the pitch to Searchlight. Uh, I was like, yo. I gotta get these. I gotta try them. And so as I tried them, I was like, "Oh, I get it now. They're they're pretty amazing." And you were saying that as you was on the toilet, <laughs> burning. As an adult, you're not supposed to be eating. I know, but man, listen. When we made the movie, there was like we had to recreate the Frito Lay factory, mm -hmm. and so we shot the film in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, and so I'll never forget. We were on set the first day that we were shooting the scene with the Cheetos coming out, flaming hot Cheetos coming out of the the factory, and. There I am behind the camera, you know, eating the Cheetos. And I said, this is crazy. But they're, I mean, they are addictive. And so I, we, I just had to stop. I said, you know what? I love this product. I'm going to eat it once in a while, but I'm going to stop. But I do hope that families, uh, when they stream the film, because uh, this is the first movie in the history of Disney that is going to be on Hulu and Disney Plus at the same time. Uh, it's the first movie that they put on both platforms. So I'm hoping that families will be eating Flamin' Hot Cheetos mm -hmm. and Doritos and all the popcorn and all that while they watch the movie. Because uh, I think, you know, it just kind of makes the experience that much better. And how was uh, Pepsi and Frito-Lay? Were they involved with the process? Or were they cool with everything? Or? You know, I wouldn't say they were involved, but, you know, we definitely have, uh, you know, kept the lines of communication open. And, you know, they've seen the movie and, you know, are, are supportive of the film. So, you know, it's been a good uh, relationship that I've been uh, been navigating for years now, probably about four or five years. Why well, give them all that free product placement? I mean, is it a lot of free product placement? Well, in, in theory, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, this is yeah, this yeah. is, you know, definitely going to, I would believe, uh, get people to want to, you know, use the product. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't so much about free product placement. It was about telling Richard's story, gotcha, gotcha, you gotcha. know, and because Richard's story was so amazing and inspirational and motivational. If the cost of doing Richard's story was in a promotion for Cheetos and PepsiCo, then so be it, because his story was certainly worth being told. Why, why Eva Longoria? 
man, because Eva, you know, this is the testament when you talk about faith. So I had the script and I was looking for a director. I sent the script out to 20 directors. 12 directors came into me, the most directors I've ever had on any project I've done, even when I was an executive. Mm. And I did not know Eva. I got the call from her agent and her agent said, hey, you know, I know you're looking for a director on Flamin' Hot. Uh, I want you to meet Eva Longoria. And I was like, well, what part does she want to play? And she's like, no, no, she doesn't want to be in the movie. She wants to direct the movie. And I'm like, okay, well, has she directed a movie before? And she was like, well, no, she hasn't directed a movie, but she directed television. I said, well, look, I'm not going to pass up a chance to meet Eva Longoria. So yeah, have her come in. So I didn't have any expectations. So Eva walks in, you know, she's wearing her glasses and she has a script in a binder and almost every page of the script is dog-eared. And mm. for about two, two hours, she starts telling me, you know, how, she's, how she would want to fix the movie and what she would want to do to elevate it, to make it more authentic. I didn't even know at the time until then that she has a master's in Chicano studies. Mm -hmm. And her confidence and her clarity of what she wanted to do and her vision. When we finished the meeting, I said, the director just showed up. Oh. And then I called the studio and I said, look, I found our director. Uh, and they said, who? I said, Eva Longoria. They were like, well, has she directed a movie? I said, no. I said, but just because she hasn't directed a movie does not mean she's not the director. Mm -hmm. Because Eva didn't come in the, in the room to meet with me asking for a job. She operated as if she had the job. Mm. And so I said, great, this is our director. And I said to the studio, I said, listen, I'm gonna bring her in, I'll bring you some other options, but I'm telling you, she's the director. And Eva put together this brilliant you know, presentation about what she wanted to do with the film. And we took her in, I took her into the studio and, they, and she blew them away. And they agreed, they said, she's the director. Wow. And everything that she said she wanted to do from that first meeting, that director presentation, is everything that she did. And I think so often, you know, especially in Hollywood, um, opportunity is not distributed equally. And the movie covers that. And so the idea that we would hold, the f hold against her, if I held it against her or the business held it against her, she hadn't directed a movie, we wouldn't have a great film. Mm. Versus saying, well, just because you haven't done it doesn't mean you can't do it. And let's put some process around you if you have the vision and the tenacity and the confidence to do it. So this movie shows you know, that not only was she, is she a brilliant director, but all of us, when given the right opportunity, can do more with it than others think. Plus, that's parallel with Richard's story, right? Very much so. so exactly. Makes exactly. Sense. That's amazing. How much does her being Eva Longoria help, though? Because if a, a director comes in there with that same energy, you know, that same ambition, but she's not Eva Longoria, do you still look at her the same? Or him I, the same? Absolutely. I always make the decision about who's the, who the director is based upon the process. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is something... You know, I basically learned how to make movies in part by working with Will Smith. And, you know, he's been a mentor and a friend for years. And, and a lot of the movie making process and the story making process and just committing to the process, I learned from him. Right. His thing mm -hmm. is like, look, if you commit to the process, the process will lead you to success. And so when it comes to a director on all the films that I've made, I do that. And I don't I don't say, oh, just because cause see, if I if I were to just say, oh, because it's Eva Longoria, then that's going to mean fill in the blank then I could do the story a disservice and the movie a disservice. So for me, I commit to the process. If another director showed up and that's who they were and the, and the process revealed that that was the director, that's the director. So for me, it just was an added value that she happened to be Eva Longoria in that, you know, she's a global superstar and, you know, a beauty icon and all of those things were just added value, but they weren't the reason the decision was made. Was that abnormal for, for a director, a potential director to come in with all those pages marked like that? Was that impressive? Was that the part that... It, it was up? It was impressive. I was like, I was impressed and I was depressed at the same time. Uh, you felt insulted like she... <laughs> right, I'm like, wait a minute, she I've been working... Yes, at that time, I've been working on the script for years. And so, she's you know, like, she comes in and is like, well, this, this could be different and this could be changed. And, I, and so on one level, I 
was like, man. But she was right. But she was right. Wow. She was right. She was right. I can't. I cannot knock Eva. And working with her has been amazing. I mean, just awesome. Have you done your passion project yet? Or, or what is your passion project <sighs> if you haven't? You know, this is. I mean, I I would say all of the movies that I've done so far have been you know passion projects because there's so much passion required to not only sell a film, but to get a film made. Mm -hmm. Every film that gets made uh, in Hollywood is a miracle. And and if me as a producer, if I'm not passionate, it cannot happen. So, you know, I would say the Flamin' Hot is probably, you know, the, uh, so far, you know, the greatest example of my passion because I'm so passionate about using entertainment to uplift and inspire people. And having a movie like this allows for that to happen. Um, you know, but I, I don't know if I've made my quote unquote, you know, signature passion film yet. You know, you know what it would be? You know, I'm listen, I'm a huge uh, Muhammad Ali fan, you know, and I would love to find a way into his story and do a movie on his life. And what that would look like, I don't know yet, mm. but that's definitely something when I think of the type of films I would like to do. Uh, you know, he's just a figure that always resonates with me and someone I continue to draw inspiration from. And so to do a movie on his life would be amazing. Manifest That'd be dope. it, manifest it. So that's it. So when is the movie? When can people see this movie? June 9th. June, June 9th. 9th. It's available. BT Plus and Amazon Prime, right? No, oh, no, no, sorry, no. Sorry, this sorry. is on Disney, Disney Plus and Hulu. Disney Plus yeah, and Hulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus and Hulu. Yeah, you got to yeah. deal with BT Plus. I have a, yeah, I have a, pr a couple projects with them. My next uh, season two of Kingdom Business, which is a show I executive produced with Kirk. Mm -hmm. uh, Franklin and Dr. Holly Carter will be on BET Plus into this year. And then I'm actually acting in a film uh, that will be on BET and I think BET Plus by the end of this year. All right. Are you going to write about everything that you've been through, your divorce and everything else? Like, um, or is that a story you're still processing? You know, I, I would say it's, I'm still processing it. You know, I don't know that I would ever do a book on divorce. You know, uh, the next book I'm working on is called One of One, uh, which is the truth about being single. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the idea, you know, behind that book is that we're all single. Some may be in a couple, some may not be. But so often, if you, if I don't know how to, a couple is made up of two good singles, mm -hmm. and the couple is only as strong as the singles that make it up. And if I don't know how to be one my, with myself, how can I learn to be one with another? Damn. And so, <laughs> so the book is is about, you know, there's nothing wrong with being single. You got to get rid of the stigma because even when you're with someone, you're still single and you're still an individual. Oh, you seem like such a good human. I have so much work to do in myself when I leave here. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't say that. We all got together. work. <laughs> no, what he said is we don't talk about that enough because yeah. it's always this pressure. Be a union. Be a union. When you, when you, when you get married, you have to be one. But here's the thing. If I, don't, yeah. if I have not been practicing being one with myself, mm. if I have not been practicing mm. being loving with myself, if I have not been practicing giving myself grace and space, it's very hard for me to be loving with another. It's very hard for me to give that person grace and space. It's very hard for me to let them be who they are if I don't give myself the freedom to be who I am. Right. Mm. So this idea of being one of one is to say, I am one of one. I am valued. I'm worthy. I, I need to get to know who I am and give the process of discovery the same process I would give in a relationship. Because mm. in my experience, so often when people are traditionally single, they squander that period of time looking for somebody. Right. And they falsely believe if I'm in a relationship, my life will be better. If I'm in a relationship, I'll be happier. But if you are not happy without someone, I guarantee you, you won't be happy with someone because the practice of happiness has to be self-created. People can enhance our happiness. They can make a contribution, but we have to be the creators of it. And I think so often in relationships, one of the reasons why they don't work is because we overburden the relationship. We want the relationship to do something it was never designed to do which is to do something for us that we don't do for ourselves. And so when any, whenever we're in a relationship, and let's say I'm not being loving, or let's just say uh, my happiness is dependent on my partner, mm -hmm. even though they consciously may not be aware of it, subconsciously they know it and they reject it. 
Like, no, no, I'm not your source. I can't be your source. God is only, can only be your source. Because the day that I make you happy, the next day I'm gonna make you mad. Mm -hmm. So if I allow someone the power to control my happiness, not only will I be manipulated, but I actually will never be happy. So this book, One of One, is really about unpacking what does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to you know understand your value? And then how can you apply that to love, relationships, career, so on and so forth? Because at the end of the day, we're all single, right? We, we come into this earth single, we're gonna die single. If I wanna be in a great couple, there's nothing wrong with it, but let me be a great single. Claudia, you know, you keep talking about how calm is, that's one of the reasons why, because when you start going to therapy and you start doing the work on yourself. Yes, sir. You realize whatever anybody else got going on don't got nothing to do with you. That's right. That's just projection. That's it. You know what I mean? It That's sounds it. like complete. Absolutely. So it sounds like complete yourself instead of looking for the relationship to complete your life. Well, that's a myth, and that's what people are so depressed. Mm -hmm. This idea of like, oh, you complete me. No. That's a scary I, thing, actually. It is. It's like, no, I don't want to complete you because mm -hmm. I don't even know. I can't do that. I don't have the power to complete you. Only God and you can do that work. Dang. And so the idea is that if you have two people that know how to be one with each other and then they come together, the process of becoming one doesn't mean it won't be difficult, but it will be that much easier because they understand what that means. Absolutely. And so for me, I really want to empower more individuals, specifically those that identify as being traditionally single to own this period of time. There's nothing wrong with you. Don't squander it looking for someone. Look for yourself, find yourself. And if you never get into a relationship, that's not an indictment that something's wrong with you at all. A relationship status has nothing to do with whether you're you know, lovable or not. Love yourself and let, let that be enough. And so this book is about that. And if you are in a relationship, I think this book will enhance you know, being in a relationship because in a relationship, we try to rob somebody of their individuality at times. And a great relationship will preserve individuality, not take it. Is that what happened in your marriage? No, I wouldn't say that. Okay. I wouldn't say that. Did you yeah. learn this after the fact? I would say that everything that I write about is mm -hmm. a culmination of what I've learned in life, uh, not specific to one experience, but all the experiences. And so for me, you know, being able to talk about this book, you know, and, and have this concept of the book, it's, it was ironic. It was like becoming traditionally single again, then taught me what it means to be single. Mm -hmm. And the importance of recognizing that we're single, even if we're in a relationship where we're married, means that I have to cultivate that individuality and then bring that individuality to whomever I'm with, whomever I partner with. And that's not something I learned exclusively from the marriage. That's just something I've learned from life experience. Would you One, get married again? Absolutely. One thing I love about the new faith leaders like yourself, Sarah Jake Roberts, you know, Torrey Roberts. Yeah. Y'all aren't y'all don't act perfect. No, you no. know, I and mean, that's why I love the bishop too. Yeah, I don't think the yeah, bishop comes yeah, yeah. off as no, not it, at it, all. It's perfect. Do you think that is something that like you know uh, hurt the church coming up? You know, and why people probably strayed away from religion at one point? Because I feel like a lot of people, more people, are coming back sure to the word and coming back to faith yeah. because y'all are not appearing perfect. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think growing. I mean, I've been in the church my whole life, so you know, growing up in the church, I think that there was um, a premium put on not being vulnerable. Uh, there was a premium put on presentation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, you know, on some level, uh, even though it may have worked, and I say that in quotation marks, I think it did damage mm -hmm. because, you know, then we go through life performing and presenting instead of living. And so, uh, you know, I think, again, you know, I mean, I'm Pastor Sarah and Pastor Torreya, my brother and my sister, and, you know, uh, known Bishop for, you know, almost 20 years. So that's, he's family. And, and I think that there is, you know, desire to just be truthful mm -hmm. and to be transparent and to be honest and to leave from that place. And 
people. This thing called life, none of us have it figured out. That's right. There's, it's That's an right. experience. Absolutely. Even even God, none of us have God figured out. God is beyond our comprehension. That's right. And so we do the very best that we can do. I do the best I can do to articulate uh, concepts and that are on, on some level. Like it's how can you even articulate who God is, uh, and do that from a place of humility, right? Mm. Like it's not. Listen. What I've learned through this experience and what I've learned through, you know, this divorce is like, listen, uh, I'm not trying to get through life perfectly. I just want to get through life truthfully. I appreciate that because I, I was one of the people definitely turned off by the seemingly san the standard of perfection. Sure. And if you feel like you're a flawed individual, which we all, all are, are but, yes. but a lot of people present like they weren't, especially in, in the, the church. church. Yeah. It, yeah. How could you even feel like you could be amongst those people knowing the flaws you have, right? And then right. The people in the church are not admitting to anything. So we appreciate sure. when you can say, I've been through this, I've done this wrong. We like it. We need yeah. more of that. Thank you. No, and it's it's I think it's important and I think it's okay. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, flaws are what make the diamond valuable. That's right. And flaws are what make us valuable. Flaws are what make us one of one. And it's okay. Like, hey, I'm one of one and I have my challenges and that's all right. Like and, and I don't know that if I hadn't gone through what I've gone through, that I would have the appreciation I have for me. Mm -hmm. You know, and just to say, hey, you know what, Devon? Hey, you're on your journey. Uh, you're figuring it out. You, you know, you've given yourself the grace and space to heal and to process all you've been through. And along the way, you know, I get a chance to share what I'm learning. And for those it benefits, great. What do you think your biggest flaw is? You know what? I think my biggest flaw is really uh, I tend to be very, very hard on myself. Mm -hmm. I think and, that's and, a, we all are. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, you know, it's just that idea of like, I want to do everything right and I want to do everything mm -hmm. perfect. And you know, going back to when I was a kid, like just this idea of, you know, achieving my way and not feeling my way and then beating myself up if I didn't achieve at a certain level, or if I missed the mark or I didn't get a certain grade and then bringing that into my career. And so that's one of the flaws that I work on, which is giving myself grace and space mm -hmm. instead of talking to myself in a way that I would never allow others to talk to myself in a positive way. I got you. Hey. We good. You good. You good, man. Now, this is all crazy. That's how I talk to myself. You good, bro. You good, man. Come on, man. Ease up. Relax. It went the way it was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. You're right where you need to be. Chill, man. You cool. Like, that's how I deal with my flaw. Because that flaw of criticism, you're not good enough. Mm. You, you're, you're never going to make it. You're not as good as this person. That voice in me has been one of the loudest voices. Mm -hmm. And I've just been learning in this season to rewrite that script for that voice so that it's more productive instead of destructive. And my my good sister, uh, Rachel Edwards, she's actually the showrunner for the BET show. She was showrunner for my late night show. Oh, dope. Whenever I get into my funks and I start, you know, talking bad about myself, she'll say, don't talk to my friend like that. <laughs> yes. All the time. I like that. And I love it. It brings you right back to center. In it a real does. Way. It really, really does. Don't talk yeah. to my friend like don't that. Talk to my and friend the idea like that. that she would reference you and who you are as her friend, mm -hmm. then it makes you think, well, am I being a friend to myself? Mm-hmm. Right. So if this person can can acknowledge what type of friend I am, can I then acknowledge mm. the friend I am to me? Mm. That's a Why big... is it so hard for us to be good to ourselves sometimes? And sometimes we're better to other people than we are to ourselves. But I, I think it's because we've been conditioned to not feel good by our not when I say by ourselves, within ourselves. Mm -hmm. You gotta go to the right school. You gotta get the right job. Mm -hmm. You gotta marry the right person. You gotta live in the right neighborhood. You gotta drive the right car. You gotta go to the right church. You have to be a part of the right social group. And then when you do all of this, you will be happy. Mm -hmm. It's not true. It's not true. So I think a lot of times we don't find that happiness within ourselves. We don't look in the mirror and love who looks back at us. And as a result, we go on this search for things that never fulfill us versus saying, 
I'm going to love me. I'm going to like me. I'm going to be happy. Regardless if I got a dollar, a million dollars, I'm going to be happy. And I'm going to let that happiness come through because I don't think it takes a lot to be happy. If anything, things block our happiness. Mm -hmm. And I think the key is learning to love who we are so much and find peace in it that we let that happiness out. And we don't let any false idea block what is already natural to us, which is to be happy. Babies have no problem being happy. Right. They come into the earth, they're happy, right? Like just that's the natural disposition of a baby. That's what makes them so magical. It's as we get older, these things block us because we buy into these false ideas. Oh, I need all these things to be happy, and and that's just not true. I know, I know you got to go, but you know we're all born in the 1900s, so it was much easier <laughs> back yeah. then to give ourselves positive self-talk. But yeah. now when you got social media yep. and you got so many people offering their opinions sure. and when mm -hmm. people come with these narratives, does that affect you in any way? You know, um, I'm sure it does, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and I think the thing about social is that it's, it's a powerful tool, um, but it's something that has to be managed like anything else. Mm -hmm. And so part of the management for me is, you know, taking messages in and seeing what's out there, mm -hmm. but managing how much time I spend there. Mm -hmm. Because at a lot, of, a lot of times, you know, one of my good friends, Chrissy Metz, she told me this saying, you know, compare and despair. And if I'm spending too much time on social media, I inadvertently find myself in comparison mode, and that's just not healthy for my mental health. Mm -hmm. So I right. do think you can navigate social media successfully, and I just try to manage how much time that I'm on it. And again, it goes back to that voice. So if I'm seeing something and I say, wait a minute, I want that opportunity, or why didn't that happen? Devon, you're right where you need to be. You're good. It's all right. Bless that person. You know what I mean? Like, instead of being like, oh, I want that. That's cool. But like, have a positive attitude about it. But it only comes from me because I'm not on it all the time, all day, and really give myself a chance to experience it and then step back and experience life. Yeah, I can well, we, really need you to, we need you to end with a prayer, brother. Oh, I would love we to. Love that. that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, right now for um, anyone listening to this prayer, dear Lord. We just thank you, dear Lord, for Claudia. We thank you for DJ Envy. We thank you for Charlemagne, first and foremost, that you are using their voices to uplift and inspire the culture, dear Lord. I pray right now for each of them as they navigate this show and all the things you're bringing to them. I pray that they would have the confidence of you and to know that you are with them every step of the way. And I pray you would guide them and keep them in ways that they can't even imagine. I pray right now also for anyone listening to this or watching this, that this is a divine appointment. You're not watching or listening by accident. You're watching and listening because there's a plan and a purpose for your life. I pray that you would have the courage and the confidence to pursue it. Even as you experience conflict, conflict is what makes your story great. I pray that you would know that you are great. I pray you look in the mirror and you love who looks back at you. I pray the next time you pick up the phone to take a selfie, that you would pause and acknowledge the love that looks back at you in your phone. If you're listening to this prayer, it's because you're blessed, you're ordained, and you're destined. In the name of Jesus, I pray, respecting all religions. Amen. 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 Okay. There you have it. Man. We appreciate you for joining right. us, brother. Make sure you check out Flaming Hot on yes, Disney Plus June 9th. June 9th. That's Disney right. Plus and Hulu. That's Disney right. Disney Plus and Hulu. Yeah, all right. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Thank you, brother. Thank you. That's great. Appreciate you. I almost want to be cured of my gambling problem now. <laughs> oh, wait, we just need you to sit for one more, one more second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll keep it locked. We got more with Devon Franklin when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club on BET. Don't go anywhere. We got more with Devon Franklin when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club on BET. Welcome back. Now let's get into our interview with Devon Franklin. It's The Breakfast Club on BET. That's it. Done. Photo? Yeah, let's do it. That was great. That was good. Good stuff. You got that call at 10, right? Thank you. Call at 10. Yeah. Robert Tussie. Thank you. Thank you. Was it all right? Yeah. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.